Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today is Will Purdue, former Commodore great. We'll talk some football and basketball-related topics on today's show, which was recorded on Thursday afternoon. The guest line is presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael is a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture, and other made-to-order items, including a display case for my prize Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call at 615-830-9458. Now on to our episode with Will Purdue. Will Purdue joins me today. Will, welcome to the show. Of course, if you were listening, you know Will is one of the greatest basketball players ever to play at Vanderbilt. Of course, he was on the Chicago Bulls world title teams and uh more than that, though, Will, Will was a communication major. Not communications, but communication at Vanderbilt, which may come in more handy today for this podcast than any of those other things. Welcome to the uh, show, Will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris, it's good to be here, but let me, let me throw this out there. So everybody fully understands before we get started and take a deep, deep dive into uh, football, Close with basketball and call it a podcast. There was a professor at Vanderbilt University who basically saved my from me basically and honestly failing out from Vanderbilt and having to go elsewhere. Um, I struggled mightily with um, discipline priorities and budgeting my time my freshman year at Vanderbilt. I was uh, distracted by um, a lot of things that most freshmen are distracted by. No. But I was, as being an athlete and not having the free time that most students have, I got behind the eight ball early and I kept getting farther and farther behind. Um, and I was, I thought I wanted to be an engineer. So I, I started off in civil engineering and like most people, the reason being that's what my father was. He worked at the Kennedy space center and I thought that, okay, that's the path I want to go down. Remember when I stepped foot on Vanderbilt, the thought of playing professional basketball never entered my mind. It was play basketball at a great school like Vanderbilt, get a top-notch education, play in the SEC, allow my parents to, you know, see me play because of the SEC network and also have them come to Nashville every year for the Christmas tournament, which is a family-oriented tournament for all the families of the players and something that we all dearly look forward to. But all of a sudden that was all in jeopardy because of my grades. And uh, a female basketball player by the name of Dana Turner. I'm pretty sure that's her maiden name, who's now 
Dana Reese, has been married to Steve Reese, who I played with and was in my freshman class back in uh, 1983 when we walked off campus. said, hey, you need to talk to this professor by the name of Kassan Kowalczyk. He was the head of the communication department at Vanderbilt, and she felt like that that's something that I would really enjoy. She was a communication major as well, and she set up the meeting, and the rest is history. He said, obviously, he was very transparent. He didn't say it in these words, but he basically just said, obviously, you're not built to be an engineer. Your schedule probably doesn't allow it if you're going to continue to play basketball. So let's figure out what you can do. Let's take a couple speech classes. Let's take a couple of other classes, decide what you like, readjust and put you down the right path. And that's exactly what I did. And I enjoyed the communication and speech classes more than anything. I ended up having that as my major. It took five years. Luckily, CM Newton was very kind and redshirted me. And, um, you know, as we say, the rest is history and it's the best choice I ever made. So, and I think it's benefited me as well because I did an internship at uh, a radio station. I did an internship at a TV station. Always thought I wanted to get into advertising or television or radio or, you know, some form of entertainment. And um, my NBA career uh, allowed me to uh, mature and wait 13 years before I actually got into my real profession as a uh, basketball analyst. <laughs> How about that? But, but but let's be real. You you really know you've made it when you're a regular on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Well, yes, the, exactly. <laughs> and that allows you're, me. You're thinking that just goes without it. saying, right? <laughs> That is correct. But also, I'm very fortunate that it allows me to express my passion for Vanderbilt athletics and all sports. Well, speaking of all sports, we've got a couple to talk about today. Uh, the Stackhouse basketball extension is a hot topic. We'll get to that at the end of the show today, Will and I were both on pretty tight time schedules. We've got about 40 minutes total to do this, uh, so we may get to that or we may not, but we are certainly going to talk about Vanderbilt football. Using your learned degree in communication, you have analyzed Clark Lee's press conference as you do every week. What did you take away from that? Well, I mean, it's I like how... First and foremost, he makes no excuses whatsoever. None. And I like that because that's, that's the mindset that the coaching staff has. And I know that they're, they've told the players that that's the mindset they have to have, specifically if they want to play at Vanderbilt. There's no excuses. Okay. And I like how he talked about this. Listen, we knew going into this stretch, Alabama, Old Miss, Georgia, that it could be ugly. And it was. So the mental toughness and the belief of these players is being challenged at this very moment. And what I mean by that is, is that, you know, games like this can kind of shake you to the core. All right. They're, they're going to test you about how bad do you really want to play football at Vanderbilt? Because as he said, they've done an excellent job, in my opinion, of keeping things in perspective. 
We don't think they're going to beat Alabama. We don't think they're going to beat Georgia. You know, maybe Old Miss, maybe slim chance, but you don't expect it. But now how do you take these three games? And I think you were the one that asked the question about, is this a Burnham tape? They don't, they don't do it. I mean, it's, this is the hard part of being an athlete is, is that when you watch film, it's the truth. You can't hide from it. You slide down in your seat, but it's, it's right there and it smacks you in the face and says, pay attention. So the question is, can you take these beatings, the failures, and pick up and move forward and learn from it? And that's what's going to be tested as they, as they step on the field against Missouri. I promise you, Chris, that every player in that room, when they get together for these team meetings, fully believes they can beat Missouri. I'm, I'm willing to bet whether they'll admit it or not, they, weren't, they didn't fully believe they could beat Alabama or Old Miss or Georgia. And that's just being realistic. That's having smart kids standing in front of you. I don't think Clark bullshits. I think he, he, he puts it down and he, he believes what he says and he's not going to lead them down the yellow brick road. So they knew what, they, what was ahead of them. But now the best part is this is behind them. So again, how do they pick up? How do they move forward? Yes, their character is being tested but they have to be fully focused and ready to play on Saturday, regardless of the past. You know, this last game, I know everybody expected this. I mean, it was a thing we talked about before the season that these were going to be tough games to win. They probably weren't going to be close. And a lot of what happens this season really is based on their reaction to that. It is one thing to stand outside that and look at a box score or, you know, after the fact or or even know going in that it's, I guess is a better way to put it, that it's going to be that way. It's another thing to watch it and to look at the box scores afterwards. And I think that's where the fan base is kind of stuck. Well, and that's that's – that's understandable. I, I get it. But the interesting thing to me in that press conference um, was, and I had this told to me by a couple uh, former Vandy players, you know, we're on text threads. We're talking. I haven't been able to watch a lot of these games live, but I've recorded them all, watched them all. Okay. And I love how Clark talked about, they failed to make the available play on offense. I had more than one former Vandy player, offensive players and defensive players, tell me that they had opportunities to score. They just couldn't capitalize on them. Again, they had opportunities. They could not capitalize on them. And that's what was really frustrating. You could pick up that frustration in Clark's voice from that Georgia game. He wasn't talking about winning the game. He was talking about the opportunities that they had that they needed to capitalize on. They didn't do it. <clears throat> that hasn't, that doesn't change going into the Missouri game. They're going to have plenty of opportunities, a lot more than they're going to have against Georgia or Alabama or Old Miss. 
excuse me, but they still have to take it to, uh, advantage of those opportunities because their window for error is so small. Okay. <clears throat> but they all have the luxury that they did not have against Alabama or Old Miss or Georgia of making mistakes, but yet still being able to recover. Not against Alabama, not against Old Miss, nor Georgia can you make those mistakes and recover. But against Missouri, and let me take it one step farther, against South Carolina, you don't have those opportunities. So that's where the mental toughness comes in. Because as he talked about, make the available play on offense, right? But also capitalize on opportunities on defense. Their inability in the red zone when I think he said there were four scores on third downs for the Bulldogs. And I love how he talked about it was it wasn't just an execution situation. He used the word it was about design and execution. Design is on the coaches, execution is on the players. So he's not just sitting here saying this is a player's issue. This is also a coaching issue. They need to design better plays defensively, and they, but they also need to execute better, meaning everybody needs to be on the same page. You have to trust that the coaches are putting you in the best position to succeed, and you've got to continue to believe in yourself and this program. <clears throat> and this is where you get into this type of this part of the season, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, team sports, to determine what your mental makeup is. Are you in or are you out? And that's where we talk about at the professional level, the college level. Players eventually make decisions for the coaches because of how they act, how they react, okay, and how they respond. And that's where you start to see shakeups in uh, rosters. You start to see some people drop in transfer portals things of that nature. And that's where, you know, it's the constant evolution of a program. And that's where Vanderbilt is at the moment. Before we get into the mailbag and access some other topics that I wanted to get to anyway, I'm hearing, I think the portal and the ability to keep the kids that they found, recruited, and have developed up to this point on campus is maybe a bigger concern than who they're able to recruit. I'm just curious if you've heard anything like that and what your thoughts on that might be. No, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, first of all, the coaches want kids that want to be there. Okay. Now it's one thing for a recruit to step up and say, I want to be there. But what does that guy say and how does he feel after his freshman year when he's now knee deep in the culture, he sees who his teammates are, he sees their approach, he sees their belief, he sees their work ethic, you know, he looks at the coaching staff, he looks at the design, he looks at the ability or inability of a team to execute offensively and defensively, does he still want to be there at that point? And this is, this is the hard part for Coach Lee and his staff. This is the hard part for Jerry Stackhouse and his staff. 
and Corbin, uh, 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 Shea with the women's team. Because quite honestly, Vanderbilt has some challenges that other places just don't have. Okay, but that's not an excuse. That's, and this is where I'll use an example where Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford did such an outstanding job for the San Antonio Spurs organization I was part of. Identifying individuals, not necessarily the most talented individual, but identifying players that fit into the culture, the scheme, the attitude, the mindset that the San Antonio Spurs wanted to play. When you hear somebody say, well, we didn't play Spurs basketball. That's what they're looking for. The guy that they can plug in and fit, right? Plug in and play. Jerry Krause did the same thing with the Chicago Bulls, finding the pieces to play around Michael Jordan to not only make him successful, but to help him and the organization win championships. Jerry Krause wasn't liked by a lot of people, but he didn't care. He was just doing his job and he pissed off a lot of people doing his job, but he didn't care because of what he was trying to accomplish. And that goal was to win a championship and he ended up winning six of them. So Clark Lee is trying to do the same thing because the head coach is the general manager and the coach and the president and, uh, you know, whatever, uh, you know, he's got, it's just not just, Hey, it's Clark Lee. He's the head coach of the football team. He wears so many hats. It's amazing. All right. But it's also hiring the right coaches, which obviously he's done an excellent job with because other, other universities in the NFL keep coming, calling and plucking away, you know, at his, at the talent that he's put on his staff, but there's also chemistry involved. And they have to continue, you know, to develop that chemistry. So that's a challenge that he's got to find answers to. But we talked about, and I said this at the very beginning, Clark doesn't make excuses. He's talking about, and one of the things he talked about that was so disappointing about the Alabama game, the Ole Miss game, the Georgia game, was not problem solving on the field, right? And to me, that's maturity and that's experience. But also the ability of the coaches to solve the problems as well. Don't think about the mistakes. Think about the answers to those mistakes and how do you correct those mistakes? So, you know, it's, it's something that this team is dealing with and it continues. And he said it ultimately the losses reflect where we are as a program and the product we're putting on the field. So I can't, he can't be more transparent to the, the guys that are on the team, to the fan base, to Candace Lee and the athletic department. And he's saying that we still have a long way to go, but we need your help. And when he says we, he means we he needs the continued support from the fans and the patients, which is the hard part because every coach that comes in asks for patience. But it's been a while, I think, since we can honestly say as former athletes and fans <clears throat> that we're really starting to believe that they have something here, something that's, the, that's sustainable. Not just short term, but sustainable. But he's also sending a very vivid and um, poignant remark to Candace Lee and the Vanderbilt and to um, 
Um, I'm drawing a blank. What's the president's name? I apologize. Daniel Deermeyer. That he, there's still a long way to go. Okay. Don't settle for mediocrity, right? Facilities, money, if you want to be specific. We've just seen the tip of the iceberg, but he, it's, we think it's sustainable. We think they're going to get better. We think they're going to get competitive. And, you know, I, I've taken a beating watching these games, but I will say that I enjoy watching them because I have personally, I've seen improvement. I think we've got a quarterback that we could build an offense around. And, you know, now we just have to do a better job recruiting. We got to get more talent, specific talent, because this is still the SEC and nobody feels far, sorry for you. <laughs> and just continue to make steps forward, baby steps as it is, but progress. I think one of the ways that he's building his culture, and, and this is just my interpretation, that they create create an environment that nobody wants to leave. Uh, you don't you don't think about leaving for somewhere else a lot of times, and maybe you do. I don't know. There's so much tampering now uh, that maybe you're perfectly happy where you are until another offer presents itself, which these things do present themselves. I don't care what rules are written. Uh, it, it's even happening in, in baseball now to a degree where it's fairly blunt. But what I'm getting at with this is I think he's trying to do that. Obviously, they sell the degree, the experience. You know, winning is is a big part of it, though. And and they're sitting here um, with a 26 game losing streak in the Power Five. Uh, the next highest, I think, is Virginia at seven. So, I mean, the, the gulf between him and the rest of the Power Five, at least from that, is is pretty massive. But where I'm getting with this is, I don't know, and I'm not taking a stance on it. Uh, either coming down on the kid or the coaching staff. But in the midst of that, the culture they're trying to build and what they're trying to do and getting kids to take the long view. I was surprised Rocco Griffin did what he did, which is come in basically the night of the Ole Miss game, say, I'm done here. Um, I'm, I'm moving on. I want to keep my red shirt and transfer out. I did not expect that. No, I thought that Rocco deserved more playing time than he was getting. I thought that he should have been second in line for carries behind Patrick Smith just after the events of, of this year. But I also don't know, you know, all the variables. I know that he'd been hurt and all those other things. But what I'm getting at is, what did you make of, of that transfer at that point? Because Rocco is, by all accounts, a good kid. Seems like he's a good student. All the the things that that you would want your program to represent. In fact, I think it's him that's on the poster on their schedule poster that's hanging from McGugan, uh, the one that's like 10 feet tall or whatever, that's hanging on the wall of the football building. I think it's Rocco Griffin that is on that poster. Uh, with all those things, and I know I've given you a lot, what was your reaction to that departure, and, and what, if anything, does it mean? All right, so... First of all, Unfortunately, I went straight from doing a podcast for uh, the NBA because, as everybody on here knows, um, you know, I do pre-half and post for NBA games here in Chicago and NBC Sports Chicago. And I already watched the press conference. I took notes. So I'm a little fuzzy 
because I'm going to pat myself on the back for a second. As soon as I take a step back and ask for your help, what is the current uh, running backs name that's had the best season? Uh, before I answer that one correction, that was not Rocco Griffin on that poster. I think it was John House. Um, at least it's, it's that's okay. wearing number twenty-two. Uh, the current the current situation, and that's the other piece to it. Ray Davis is the one. Patrick Smith got the reps as the two, and they they don't have any other healthy scholarship backs right now. Jace Gillespie was hurt the day of the Ole Miss game. I don't think made the trip to Georgia last week, so I don't know if that is a health thing or preserve the red shirt thing or what. But anyway, you slice it, they are really low on scholarship running backs. Right, but I just to pat myself on the back. Occasionally, we all like to do this. It's 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 egotistical, but. Just so the listeners understand that I, I take the time and I do the research and yes, I take pride in this. This is a passion, but I just don't spout out a bunch of bullshit and then, you know, move on. I try to be accurate. I try to be correct. I, I mean, when you're opinionated, you know, you're not always accurate. You're not always correct, but I always try to try to make educated decisions and opinions. I think I may have mentioned in our very first podcast or maybe the second podcast that I had been hearing rumors that Ray Davis was looking really good in training camp and that it's my definition of a breakout because he is getting a majority of the snaps. And even during the games, as you talk about Chris, the commentators and the analysts are talking about why is Rocco Griffin, Rocco not getting more touches? Why is Rocco not getting more, you know, why is he not playing more? Why is you, why are you not alternating? I, I don't have the answer to that, but to the, your specific question in regards to how surprising that was, this is the issue I have with the transfer portal because this is, and this is, and to me, just, again, my opinion, it's just going to get a lot of pushback. This is more a society, societal issue as well. And this is something as a father with a freshman in college at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, that I am very scared about is the way our society has changed. Kids, in my opinion, people younger than me, when I say teenagers, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, feel like that they should be rewarded before they're actually, they've actually put in the work. Now, I'm not saying that Rocco had to put in the work. I think he put in the work. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But also, if this would have been me, and I don't, I don't know this for a fact, Chris, I'm just, I haven't asked anybody about this. I'm being very transparent and honest, but it comes across as I'm not getting as many touches as I want. I'm not playing as much as I want. So I'm, I'm moving on. And maybe it's a very educated decision on his part because he sees the writing on the wall and that's not going to change. Maybe he's had a private conversation with you know, the offensive coordinator and the running backs coach, and they've been very blunt and said, this is the direction we're going because we feel like 
this is the best player for us to, to attach our trailer to. And he didn't like the answer. And because of the transfer portal, he's allowed to, he's allowed to, to move on. <clears throat> but I don't, I don't understand it. I would actually take the opposite route and accept the challenge to prove everybody wrong, specifically the coaches. Cause there's that inner joy that you get when somebody tells you, you can't do something specifically your coach and you do it because you so badly want to say, I, I showed you, or I told you so, or our society is we want to scream from the mountaintops. You were wrong. I am right. But yet it's just the ability to just do that, but also the respect you gain from your teammates by doing that because of how you the saying is you just, you know, nose to the grindstone and just do the work and flip the script. But I don't know the whole thing. I just know the approach that I would take. But at the same time, what Rocco did was also make things easier for the coaching staff and them not having to go to him and say, hey, you're probably better off going to the transfer portal and we'll gladly release you and allow you to do so or however that whole process works, right? Because he doesn't want to be there. And those are the kids you don't want. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster. So go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Okay, I've got about 11 minutes um, before I've got to hit the the transportation portal. Um, so let's th- go to the mailbag. <laughs> well, let me ask cool you a quick that. question. Sure. Yeah, let me ask you a quick question. Give your answer. Go into the mailbag and we'll we'll uh, tie a bow on this thing. But I mean, do you think that that answer is too harsh? Do you think that that answer is unrealistic that I gave? No, no, I, I don't. In, in fact, I was thinking, I, of, I don't think that you do, but I would just, I'm just asking to get another perspective. Well, will to, to be honest, when you were given your answer, my mind was going in a, in a half dozen different directions because, and I, I'm like, well, if I, if I comment on it, um, we may not be able to get the genie back in the bottle in time for <laughs> to, to end the podcast and get to people's questions. I have the the, the bigger answer, and I'm I'm sort of sidestepping your question. I have so many issues with college athletics right now. And look, I was for 
this whole thing of being able to to, to pay kids. Um, I I just never liked the idea that a kid could, you know, go get a handout, get a steak dinner after he's made his school a lot of money, and and if the NCAA catches you, that's illegal. I I didn't think that was fair. Um, I also think that the the combination of that with the portal has been disaster. I think it's time to rethink everything um, and put some limits around those things. I, I think eventually you're going to need something along the line of contracts, um, limits that kids at a school can earn. Um, if you're going to have any kind of competitive parity and, and keep the kinds of coaches in the game that we need to have in the game, coaching young men and women. Um, I, I just have – it's sometimes when when you put rule on top of rule without blowing the whole thing up and starting over, you have huge, huge issues, and that's what the NCA has now. I, I don't think that answered your question at all. It's just kind of part of the whole – situation as it is right now and i mean we could do a we could do two more hours on that alone yeah i i think the, the best way to put this is and we'll move on currently right now the ncaa is using duct tape and trying to get trying to use a bigger hammer and it's not yeah. working they don't even have flex seal i mean you know that that thing stops every <laughs> leak known to man according to what I see on the constant commercials. Maybe maybe that's the issue, but um, right. anyway. All right, let's get to the mailbag. I'll try yeah, to be let's as see. Distinct and direct as possible. Well, and I'll try to direct the questions appropriately to allow you to do that, which means we may have to omit some. But any anyway, our mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at six one five eight four six sixty two hundred. See what your rights are and if they can help. Maybe the NCA should have called Sutherland and Belk before they got into this. But anyway, um, okay, I'm going to go. Okay, because I, I think people are going to want to hear your thoughts on this, and so I'll just let you go with this where you you may. Um. Harley Hog 44, was it the right thing to do with the contract extension for Coach Jerry Stackhouse? Does this really help with recruiting? Well, I, I think it does help with recruiting, but I think that they're – and I don't know what the, what the expectations are on him, but this to me, this is – I am a little surprised by this because how big of a year this is for Jerry Stackhouse and the men's basketball program. You know, it's, it's a it's a huge loss in Scotty Pippen, but you know, I, I still think that we've seen improvements in talent. We've seen development, not as much as I would like, but I think they, that, it, that, that Stackhouse has come in, and righted the ship and pointed the program in the right direction. But I think this is a huge year to where I think that they need to take a huge leap, even though they lost, lost Pippen. I want to be very clear. I understand that, but this is now his fourth year. And, you know, usually the third year is the big year. We're still waiting for that 
four letter word to pop up. And it's not really a word, but NCAA. I think it is a four letter word, we, but, <laughs> but is it actually a word? But it, it's just, you're, you're the communication major the here. <laughs> we, we need to get back to the tournament and we need to get back to the tournament to where that's the expectation. That's, we make it to the tournament and lose in the first round is a bad year for the program. I know we've never been there, but I think we've proven that they've had the ability to get there. Can we find the coach that can keep us there? We, we don't know if Stackhouse is the answer or not. But again, this is a huge year for the Vanderbilt men's program. Yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. I've got some background. I'm I'm going to unpack this. I, I think I will do it with Luke Wyatt on our Monday podcast because I, I think when I'm able to bounce off the background of why I think this happened, I think he'll be very insightful. But I'll tell you what I think, and I'm not 100% sure. I've got a couple reports, and some of the details are a little conflicting. I think – what Vanderbilt has done is put Jerry Stackhouse on a contract that runs for six more years, including the one that's about to happen. And I think most, if not all, of that salary is guaranteed. So, which is is huge for him, surprising to me, but you know that means that they've. That that's that's who they're going with. So, you know, again, the fact that that actually happened prior to this season, you know, I, it totally caught me off guard. I did not expect to see that, much less even hear the conversation of a new contract. So, you know, the one thing that comes with new contracts is is new and bigger expectations. And I understand this is Vanderbilt, but the one thing I love about Clark Lee, no excuses. Look forward, not backward. Instead of making excuses, find answers. Yeah, and to Jerry's credit, Jerry has not made excuses. Um, I, I do think Jerry has been his worst in, own worst enemy to this point. I do think that Jerry has figured some of that out. Uh, which I think leaves me with a little more cause for hope for him than I would have had a year or two. But, man, it's still a long way between 13 and 39 in the SEC, which is I think is what he is, and the, the, the place that you and I probably both think Vanderbilt basketball should be. No, you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's, it's behind where we would expect. And, you know, as you, as we mentioned, he's now going into his fourth season. You know, we probably expected this uh, team to be in a little better place than it has been. But I also think that that, you know, I'm just going to be quite honest. I think some of that is ignorance on Jerry's part about, you know, the confidence he has in his abilities and what he thought he could do with this program. But also it's, it's, it's a misunderstanding of probably what he thought he was taking over and where the program was at that time. So I think he has, you know, if he doesn't know, he, he better figure it out real quick. But, you know, that's a good sign in the sense that he still wants to be here. 
he feels like he can correct it and he can get this program back to where we all feel like it should be and maintain that success. Yeah, I don't hear as much of the he's looking to get out talk now than I did the first couple of years. I think Jerry would have would have easily gone for an NBA deal. And and I think he still would, which is kind of part of the I think they're really sort of bidding against themselves on this deal. Because uh, I think if Jerry gets an NBA head coaching job, he's he's leaving regardless. But um, yeah, but what we don't know, Chris, is is what how this is how this is described, how it's terminated. He may yeah. have a very affordable buyout. It's it, it's hard to say, and you know that's the thing with Vanderbilt being a private institution. Trying to find out this information can be very difficult. It's not a public university. It's not Tennessee. It's not Kentucky. So getting that information, you know, sometimes is almost impossible unless somebody wants to voluntarily give that up. Yeah, I I don't think he's going anywhere for a while. Again, I I'm I would have been surprised he'd made it this long a few years ago. I think things have changed. I think he's fairly happy here. He gets basically what he wants. He gets along with people behind the scenes over there. Um, I I don't think the NBA is coming for him anytime soon having talked to to people that are pretty well connected in that league. Again, he's not taking the assistance job. And I don't think there's other schools barking down, um, you know, or, or knocking down his door for him to get hired at other other power five jobs. So I, I think that, you know, unless something changes there, I, I think that Jerry Stackhouse is going to be Vandy's coach a while. Yeah. I, I think you're right. So, hey, do we have time for another one before we got to go? Um, I'm, I'm afraid we don't because all the questions left are, are rather meaty. They're not – they don't lend themselves to, to 15-second answers. And um, <laughs> and I've got to be somewhere in 15 minutes. So, uh, for, for that reason, I'm going to shut the mailbag down, and, and perhaps we get to some of those things next week. All right, so let me close it with this. In this press conference, Clark Lee basically put up the the recipe for success for this Vanderbilt team moving forward for the rest of this year. They can't afford to get off to a slow start. This team is not built to play from behind. And they can't have that many snaps defensively. So that means going into Missouri, going into South Carolina, the offense has to play better. They have to capitalize on opportunities. And they have to do a better job with their design as far as coaches go, both offensively and defensively, and the players have to do a better job executing. Be good, my friend. I hope we have got a different script in front of us at some point this football season. That would be nice. Well, I think so. And hopefully for you, the the traffic in Nashville is not bad today. Good luck. Well, it's, it's cool springs, and, I, and I'll make it. But uh, in any case, just you got to leave yourself a little bit of time uh, with that, Will. Thank you so much, and uh, we will catch up with you again hopefully next week. All right, Chris, you got it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk, the Kendrick Group, and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrisley70 at gmail.com. 
We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.